Well, like Norm said, the bad news today is Greg's not here. Uh, you walked in and saw the little thing, and some people go, oh, man, Greg's not here. The second bad news is Ephraim couldn't be here either. He's the backup guy, so he couldn't be here. Uh, but the good news is, like Norm said, we're going to look at the Word of God today. And we're, we're, we are going to uh, look at the message uh, today. And so, would you, would, is the offering done? Okay, would you stand with me so you can, you can pray for me and let's pray for each other as we, as we open up the Word of God today. Uh, I, I believe this is going to be a life-transforming message for uh, many, many people in this room. Would you stretch your hands towards me today? God, I just ask that as I'm your bondservant this morning, I love to serve you. I choose to serve you. I am absolutely, intensely in love with you. And so as people stretch their hands out towards your servant, God, I ask that you would guide my heart, that you would guide my lips, that you would guide my thoughts, that today what you want said to this congregation, to this body of Woodland Hills that you love dearly, God, that they would live by faith and it would come out of your word with richness, with goodness, with life. God, with justice, but with mercy. And I thank you for that. And God, we just pray. I want you to put your hand on even on your own heart. God, we pray over our own hearts that they would be teachable today, that they would be moldable, that, they would, that the seed of God, the word of God would fall on good soil today inside of our hearts. And God, we ask that if, if you're calling us to step out in faith, that we would be people of faith, that we would be the righteous who live by faith. God, we would not be uh, people who just talk about it or give intellectual assent to it or just say, yeah, yeah, I believe, just like the demons do. But we would be people who live by faith, that conquer kingdoms, overthrow kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, move mountains. God, we would be men and women of faith. And I thank you for that, God, in each one of our lives. We bless you. We thank you. And we ask that you would transform us by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to continue what Greg started several weeks ago. If you've been here for the last several weeks, he started a, a series on myths of Christianity or myths of the church. And, and we started off the very first week with, with uh, looking at the issue of the church is not here to make your life easy. The church is not here so you can get on a cruise ship and check out from any warfare, any uh, exercising of your gifts in the body of Christ. Just the opposite is true. We should be people living in the body of Christ. We should be, the body is not here just for us, for us to be entertaining the only Christians. But we're here to serve the body of Christ. And whether it's like Susie or Dennis shared this morning, and you need to get involved in the youth ministry or the children's ministry, whatever your part is, if it's a small group, if it's ushering, if it's doing something that hasn't been done here at this body or that needs to be done here at this body, then we encourage you and invite you to be equipped this morning to live a life of faith and do whatever God is asking you to do. And the myth that we want to look at this morning is a myth that is I, for the last 15 years since I converted from atheism to agnosticism to following Jesus Christ, have seen. I, I love when I, I, I practice law during the week and so I'll travel to Chicago or Florida or New York or California or wherever and I'm always going so that I can visit churches. And the one thing that I see, especially in the Church of America, is an issue that is a myth that is received so widely in the body of Christ that we can be people who just say we believe in God. If the statistics are overwhelming that if you ask people in America, do you believe in God, the overwhelming majority, if not nine out of ten of them, will say, yes, I believe in God. And yet it's no evidence in their life. There is no overcoming in their life. They are not using it for warfare. They are not using it to glorify God. God is getting no glory. They're not living an overcoming life. They're not moving on with God. They're not living by faith. They're just mouthing with their mouths that they believe. And so myth number eight we want to look at today is this. 
Saying we believe is all there is to Christianity. That is a myth. That is a farce. That is not the truth of God. And we want to look at the opposite of that today, of faith. The Scripture, before we get going, I want to, I want to, I want to nail this down because I don't want anyone to be confused that because a life of faith is requiring us to do something, that, that, that our doing something has anything to do with our salvation. So I want us to be very clear at the beginning of this. Romans 1.17, as I go through these, I'd like you to write them down. The, the tendency in a lot of churches that I see that have strong teachers like Greg uh, is, is for people to go, you know what, I'll just rely on him to break the Word apart. I won't even bring my Bible. I won't even study my Bible. I won't even look at this stuff after the service. I won't even look at this stuff during the week. You cannot, when the enemy comes to you, say, in the name of Greg Boyd, my pastor who, who preaches about Jesus, get away from me, Satan. You can't do that. It won't serve you any well. You won't have time when Satan comes to you to go, oh, what was Ephraim talking about in worship that day? I remember there was a couple months ago he was saying something about just praising God and worshiping God in the spite of circumstances. I can't remember those notes, but Satan and the, and the, and the notes that Ephraim taught me and the, and the outline that he had and the PowerPoint that he had. In other words, what I'm saying is you need the Word of God inside of you. And so I want to put this stuff here to help you. We're going through a lot of scriptures today, but I want you to write these down. I want you to bring your sword. I want you to build your sword. I want you to have the Word of God living inside of you and not just come and be spoon-fed week after week. I want you to be warriors. I want you to be overcoming. And I want the Word of God to live in you because you can bring glory to God in ways that, that other people cannot. You will influence other people that are not going to be influenced in this particular four walls of this building. And watch what he says here in Romans. He says, the good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished, so no one's confused about this, from the start to the finish by faith. As the Scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. For the righteous shall live by faith, some of your translations say. In other words, Christianity is not a works-based Christianity. You can't earn it. You can't be the best moral person and just get morally better. You're, it's not good enough. Paul makes that case in Romans 1, 2, and 3. He says, the people who are ignorant, the people who don't know, the people who don't know anything, every time they see a sunset, every time they see an animal born, every time they see a child born, every time they see the seasons change, every time they see the effects of the wind blow, they are without excuse. Because by seeing the creation, you should know that there's an unmoved mover. You should know that there's a creator. Now, they need to, to hear the rest of it. And so he goes on in Romans 2 and says, what about all you that think you're good morally? That's what I used to think when I was an atheist. So, hey, I don't need to be condemned. I don't feel like I've sinned. I don't even know what sin is because I didn't know anything about the law. So I thought I was good morally. So what's the point? Most people are good, aren't they? That's where most people that are secular humanists come from. That's where I was. That's where I came from. And Paul says in Romans 2, no, that's not good enough either. You, you, you can't be ignorant with excuse, or you can't be arrogant about your good deeds with excuse. And in chapter 3, he says you can't be religious alone. And that's a good enough way to get you there. The Jews, if they're just born into Abraham's family, it's not enough. They need the faith of Abraham. And he answers those three, the ignorant are without excuse, the arrogant are without excuse, and the religious are without excuse, by saying it is by faith. It is by faith and faith alone. But the issue is... Sometimes we receive faith the wrong way. Sometimes we don't understand what faith is. And sometimes it's because of that that we don't live lives of faith. And that's what we want to look at today. Look at the next scriptures, if you will. Romans 3.22 and James 2.19. There seems to be a tension here in the scriptures. Romans says this, We're made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus to take away our sins. We can all be saved in the same way, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done. And yet James says this, do you still think it's enough? He almost sounds frustrated here. Do you still think it's enough just to believe that there's one God? Even the demons believe this and they tremble with terror. What's he saying here? He's saying, yeah, it is only about faith. Is the word of God in contradiction here? 
Should we, should, we, should we nullify one of these commandments of God because of the traditions of man, because we accept one or we accept the other? No. If we understand the definition of what faith is, then it explains and brings these two things together, and they're not in contradiction with one another at all. So what does faith mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Faith means this. It means fully convinced. In the Greek, it's the word pistis. It means to be fully persuaded. It means to be absolutely convinced something is true. But it goes on to that. It's persuasion. It's moral conviction. It's especially the reliance on Christ for your salvation. And salvation is not a one-time experience. It's something that continues to walk out throughout your life here on this earth. It's the conviction of a truth of anything. By analogy, it means to conciliate, to bring things together. And the first time I saw this when I was uh, using a computer program to study out this Greek on this, because I was confused, what exactly is faith? I don't understand how this James and Romans and Galatians all square together. I saw this and I thought, wow, faith is not just being fully persuaded and absolutely convinced that God's able to say, do whatever He says He's going to do. But faith is also the bring together of two things that seem to be in contradiction. And a lot of times people love to just do either or. One of my mentors uh, in England is, has a, a large church there in Nottingham, England. And, and uh, he's been ministering for uh, longer than I've been alive. And he says, you know, John, when I was young, when I was in college, I thought I had to have the answer for everything. Sounded very familiar to me because that's exactly where I was when I was studying comparative religious philosophy. I thought I had to have the answer to every theological issue there was. And he says more and more and more that I grow with God. And the more and more I see men of God from different denominations and different backgrounds, I'm believing that God is more and more not only a God of an either or, but of an and also. And I'm seeing that there's, there's these, these things that seem to conflict, like sovereignty of God and free will of man, or pre, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, or, or to take your pick of whatever your theological issue you want to be for the day. And the issue is not that this is it, and let's just find some way to do mental gymnastics and, and come up with a fancy theology that just does away with these certain scriptures. You never nullify the commands of God just for the traditions of man. No matter how great the man is, you always, always, always come back to the Word of God. And, and I'll freely admit to you that there's several scriptures I still have after 15 years that I keep having to put on the shelf and pull them back down, dump the jar, get them all out, look at them, study them. I still don't get it. I put it back on the jar. I put it back on the shelf. There's several things I still don't get. I still don't understand. But the more I walk with Him, the more I understand Him. Because as you live a life of faith, it conciliates the Word of God. We want to do something that Greg talked about last week as we look at faith and examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. The last two weeks he talked about not judging other people. This is not a holy club. We're to judge ourselves first. We're to examine ourselves first. We're to test ourselves first. And as I talk about faith this morning, I want you to look at yourself. I don't want you to look at your neighbor and say, Oh, see there, you're not living in faith. God's telling you to do something that's getting you out of your uh, safety zone. And I want you to do it. We don't need any spouses nudging one another, any parents nudging their kids. We don't need any, you know, any of that stuff going on. We don't need anybody throwing spitwads across from us. He's talking to you, man. He's talking to you. You need to live by faith. You know? That's not the issue. Instead, here's the issue. Look at the scripture. It's beautiful. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The Apostle Paul says this. Examine yourself to see if your faith, not your neighbor's faith, not your parents' faith, not your spouse's faith, but your faith is really genuine. How do you know that? Test yourselves. If you cannot tell that Jesus Christ is in you or among you, it means you fail the test. In other words, is Jesus Christ continuing to live in your life or is it just something in your mouth? Is it just something you say in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches? Or is it something that is in you? Can you look at your faith? Can you look at your life and say, My life is more than just a, just a, a prayer I mouthed one time or getting sprinkled or walking an aisle or raising my hand or showing up in church. My faith is real because I see Jesus still living in me. It's not a one-time meeting I had with Him 20 years ago. It is an everyday walk with Him. I'm asking Him every day, Give me this day my daily bread. I'm asking you to bring His kingdom and His will on this earth right here. Not what, 20 years ago, and I talk about a testimony, but is that in my life? 
Well, how can we examine ourselves in the faith if we don't know what faith is? So let's take a look at a couple of things faith is. The first thing I want you to look at is Romans ten seventeen, and it says this. It says, faith comes by hearing God's Word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. When I used to look at this scripture, I would look at it and go, whoa, wow, I didn't understand this. Faith comes from hearing. It makes so much sense. When you hear God, of course you have faith. I mean, that's exactly how you can do things that no one else thinks can be done because I've heard from God. You ever get around somebody like that? And you go, man, why are they doing that? How are they doing that? Where do they get the energy to do this? How do they do this? How in the world is this flourishing? How in the world is this being produced? Because that person has faith. And where did the faith come from? Did they muster it up in their own strength? Did they come up with it? Did they initiate it? Did it come from hearing their own word? God, I want a Mercedes. I just claim it. I just claim that Mercedes. I just claim that Mercedes. I claim that uh, 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 testless life. I claim, you know, an easy life. I claim abundance in my life. God, I just claim it. I claim it. I claim it. That's great if it comes from God's Word. But if it doesn't come from God's Word, you can claim it all day long and it doesn't mean anything because faith doesn't come from your words. It doesn't come from you mimicking it over and over and over. It comes from the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing God. And when God says something, God is able to do it, and all you have to do is continue to walk in that, whether you see it with your eyes or not. You live by faith and not by sight. I, last time I was here sharing with this church, and I, I love this church. I love Greg. We hung out for a couple hours last week, and the, the thing I love about that guy is he's just a real Christian. You forget the titles. You can forget what's going on. He's just a man loving God. It's that simple. It really is. And, and when I was here about a year ago, I shared with you about my daughter. My daughter was two years old, and she'd been diagnosed medically with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and she was crippled, and her knees wouldn't bend, and she couldn't get out of the bed in the morning. And it was a very uh, traumatic moment uh, for several months with my wife and I of what was going on, trying to discover what in, what in the world's happening to our daughter. And we were fighting and praying and, and trying to believe God and seeking the Word of God. And it was during that time that I asked several of you to pray, and I've been just overwhelmed at the, at the prayer power in this church of how many people have come to me and said, you know, I'm still praying for your daughter, I'm still praying for your daughter, I'm still praying for your daughter. And it was as we sought God's Word, not what we wanted, not our way, but God's way, God's will. God gave us a word. He said, your daughter will dance before the Lord. She will dance before the Lord. I didn't see her dancing before the Lord. I saw her crying because she couldn't get out of her bed, and she was two years old, she couldn't bend her knees. She couldn't walk on them. But I knew what God told me. So am I going to live by what I see, or am I going to live by faith? And I don't know if it's going to be when she's 30 or when she's 20 or when she's 15, but my daughter will dance before the Lord. Not because I want it, because God said it. Three months after that begun, God supernaturally healed her. And my daughter's a three-year-old, dances before the Lord. She dances now all over. She runs. You know why? You know why? Because God said she was going to run. God said she was going to dance. My job is to seek God. God's job is to speak, and then my job is to live by faith based on what God says. Look at the second thing I think we need to know about faith if we're going to examine ourselves, because a lot of times people miss this up. They think faith means committing intellectual suicide. That's not true at all. Faith has reason. Hebrews eleven nineteen. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. What's going on here? 
He's going, I'm trying to live by faith, but faith does not mean the utter absence of any logic or any reason or there's absolutely no way that this can ever happen. He'd never seen anybody raised from the dead as far as I know, but he reckoned, he reasoned, he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead because he knew God said, this is the son in whom I'm going to count all your descendants and the nations are going to be blessed and you're going to be a great nation and you're not going to just bless yourself. It's not a bless me club like we talked about last week. Just for you, you're going to bless other people. That's the way God works. And yet I'm telling you now to the very thing that I birthed, the very thing that I, that I called you to, the very thing that came out of you, the very thing that by faith came out of you, I'm asking you to kill it. I'm, I'm testing your faith. Oh, well, God would never test your faith. Read Genesis 22, verse 1. Read James 1. God tested His faith and His obedience. You should rejoice when God tests you. He never tempts you, but He does test you. I don't know why I'm not God. You can go figure it out. I don't care to figure it out. I don't know why. I only know that. But the issue is when the test comes of your faith, are you going to live by what God said? Are you going to live by the Word of God? Are you going to live by faith? Are you going to live only by what you see? Something closely attached to that is this. Even when you see reasoning, when you see logic, the third thing is this in your faith as you examine it. You should be guided by faith in spite of the facts, in spite of the evidence. Romans 4.19, without weakening in his faith... He faced the fact, Abraham did, that his body was as good as dead. Uh, he's not ignorant. He's, you know, Sarah says, Abraham, you're as good as dead, bud. You're 100 years old. You can't have a kid. He didn't go, oh, that's a negative confession. Don't say that. Don't say that to me. He faced the fact. This is a fact, and I'm facing this fact, but I'm not living by this fact. I'm living by faith. You with me? He can look at Sarah and say, Sarah, we've been trying to have kids for a long time. We know how that process works. We, we've been trying to have kids, and that process is not working. It's not that we're ignorant. We're facing the fact you haven't been able to have kids. But we're not limited by that. We're not in bondage to the facts. God creates facts. God creates the universe. The God who said things can bring things into existence that didn't exist. Look at this scripture, Hebrews 11. Now, faith is, the very definition of faith, it is the substance of things we hope for. It is the evidence of things not seen, which is why we live by faith and not by sight. When you hear the Word of God, Jesus says this. He says, you don't live only by the Word of of the bread. You don't live only by sustenance. You don't live only by the things you see or eat. You live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when you begin to live the Word of God, and I believe hearing there means two things. It means hearing the Scripture. Luke 24, he opens up your mind to understand the Scripture. If you never heard the audible voice of God, never heard an impression of God, you can live the rest of your life in an incredible way, changing kingdoms, toppling kingdoms, leveling mountains, shutting the mouth of lions, and bringing the glory of God and the kingdom of God here on this earth only by the written Word of God. But the Holy Spirit is still alive today. I used to be an atheist, and I was an agnostic, then I was a Christian. I used to be a cessationist. The Spirit wasn't there, and then I was kind of open to it for other people. And now I believe God can speak and heal today. Now, I thank God I believe that, or I wouldn't have been praying for that for my daughter. And God, you've got to let God transform you. When His Word says one thing, and your theology or your experience says another, the Word of God is what we live by. Look at the fourth thing. Faith can sometimes appear strange or callous to other people. Watch, watch Abraham. He's the father of faith. He's a great example for us. Genesis 12:1. Then the Lord told Abram, leave your country, leave your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Now, Abram could at this point have said, well, God, what is the unemployment market like there? What is the job there? Should I send resumes first? I mean, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to take care of the sheep there? What's the goat population? You know, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I need to be able to know these things. God didn't tell him any of that. God said, go. Well, wait a minute, God. I got a lot of security here. My family needs me. My family depends on me. My country's here. I'm very patriotic about my country here. What do you mean go somewhere else? 
Yet he, at the word of God, he began to go. Some of you in this room, God's asking you to leave your comfort zone. And maybe it's your relatives, maybe it's not. Maybe it's your country, maybe it's not. Maybe he's calling you to go to some other country that's never heard the gospel. Maybe he's calling you out to do something. If you hear God obey and you will live by faith, and God will show up. If I have two options and one of them is to live by faith and one of them is to live in my own strength, which one of those do you think the prosperity of God and the blessing of God and the provision of God and the protection of God and the hand of God is going to be? His eyes are roaming to and fro over the whole world. There's thousands of people in this room right now. And he's looking for what? People whose hearts are totally loyal to him. If faith is anything, it's utter dependence on God and not dependence on our own strength. Another way it can seem crazy is Genesis 22. And I've got that scripture there. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, in other words, Abraham's obeying God. He built an altar, placed the wood on it, he tied Isaac up, laid him on the altar over the wood. Abraham took the knife, lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. Isn't that a pleasant thought? Genesis 22, verses 9 and 11. Can you see Isaac? He's laying on the altar. There's wood built. There's no lamb. He's going, my dad, he's a man of faith. Oh, my dad, he's great. He's a man of God. Uh, look, he's got the knife. He's going to kill me. I know that I'm supposed to be the descendants of all the nations and all the other nations are going to be blessed. But my dad, he's a man of faith. Other people are not going to understand it. My wife and I have this ongoing d- debate about whether Abraham told Sarah he was going to kill Isaac or not. My wife's absolutely convinced there's no way because she wouldn't let him take Isaac up there if he was going to do that. I said, sweetheart, that's an argument from silence. You can't really make that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he did or not. So uh, we won't go there. Fifth thing, and this is profound. This is really powerful. When we examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith, faith is absolutely necessary in the role of spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6 says this, In every battle you will need, it's not optional. It's not a wonderful thing if you have it. It's not, you're not okay if you don't have it. You will need faith as your shield. Why? To stop fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. What's he saying? Satan the negative. If we don't have a shield of faith, there's going to be an arrow going into us instead of hitting our shield and going off. There's going to be fire coming into us that doesn't belong. It's a strange fire. It's something coming from the enemy and not from God that should have been stopped by faith. And yet too many times I see Christians that want to live in this. Well, I said I believe, so that's all i got to do. i got my insurance, so get off me. Don't tell me I need to do anything now. Don't tell me what James says. I, don't, I cut that part out of my Bible that faith without works is dead. It's useless. I believe, I can just say I believe like the demons. It's serving them well, isn't it? And what he's, what he's saying here is this. He's saying your shield will help you in warfare. So many times I see Christians and they don't, they don't understand when spiritual warfare breaks out. And I don't believe in this. I don't believe in warfare. I believe we're on a cruise ship. I, I'm just going to ignore all those bullets and cannonballs. I don't want to believe this. Well, believe it. It's there. Whether you want to be in a war or not, you're in a war when someone else is attacking you. You don't have to want it. You don't have to ask for it. But when it comes to you, you have to respond to it. It's true in the natural and it's true in the spiritual world. And yet your shield of faith can be built up. Jude verse 20 says this, Build up your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. doesn't say tongues. You can leave that whole debate and controversy somewhere else. Several times in the New Testament it talks about praying in the Spirit. And I don't know where you line up on the whole tongues issue and I don't really care because this Scripture says you can build up your faith. One translation says the foundation of your faith by praying in the Spirit. Apostle Paul says this, he says, I pray in my understanding and I pray in my spirit. You know, one of the greatest benefits of praying in the Spirit is the Spirit is praying for things that you don't know, but it's also that your faith is built up. And when you're going to do whatever God's called you to do, whack, whack, 
Fuck, you know, arrows are coming, fire is coming, whatever's coming. It doesn't phase you. Not because you're strong, not because you've done it, but because you have been praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith, because you are living in faith. Because when God is asking you to do something, you're doing it by faith. You're not saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I can't really understand that. I don't, I don't want to go out there. That's outside my comfort zone. He's saying, live by faith. Look at another scripture in Hebrews. This is, this is a, a wonderful one on spiritual warfare that just makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. Hebrews 11, 32 through 35, first says this. It's by faith, this is the hall of fame of faith, that people overthrew kingdoms. Would you like to overthrow a spiritual kingdom someday? You can do it by faith. They ruled with justice. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. You want to rule someday in your job, in your family, in the political environment? Maybe somebody in this room is going to be the next governor of Minnesota. You never know. Uh, all kinds of people can be the governor of Minnesota. It's, it seems to me, uh, you know, you can have all kinds of background. You know, if God's telling you to do it, you need to do it. And with the whole political thing in my life, you know, I used to be... Uh, no, anti-political, and then I was apolitical, and now I understand that, that the lesser government is something that we need to be stewards of. One, the statistics in America are one out of four Christians vote. And I'm not here to, to promote libertarian or Democrats or Republicans to you. I'm here to promote stewardship of the lesser government that we live in here on this earth. It's why we can worship free. You want to give that up? Go to China and check it out someday. Go to the Taliban and talk to the people who've been in prison for the last three months that just got set free that were worried about their lives every day. It matters. And if God's calling you to rule with justice, you've got to live by faith to do it. And when He asks you to do it, you've got to go. I don't know if the next governor's in here or not, but if he is, you better go. They receive from God what God promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, the roaring lion that's out there waiting to devour you. They quenched flames of fire, shield of faith. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Are there parents in this room today that say, you know what, my kid has gone the way to sin that leads to death. I can receive my kid back from the death by faith. I will live by faith. I can literally claim the Word of God for my children. I can can hear what God has to say, and I can live that over them, and I can receive them back from death into life. All of that's by faith. And so when we read something like this, it's easier for us to go, hey, man, we're going to have a how do you do life. All we got to have is faith. Now we got a formula, don't we? We got our formula, and now what's going to happen? We got our formula, and now we're always going to be victorious. We're always going to be strong about it. We're always going to shut the mouths of lions. But, verse 35, but others had faith, trusted God, and they were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked, backs cut open with whips, sounds pleasant, and others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. Sounds, sounds like a wonderful life of faith. Some were sawed in half. How about that visual image? Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And yet all of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. What's he saying here? Wait a minute. I don't like to examine this part of faith. I thought faith meant I'm always going to win. I'm a fair weather fan with this Christianity thing. I like it when I'm winning. I like it when everything's going good. But the first time I get waylaid by the enemy, the first time he waits for an opportune time to attack me like he did Jesus or the other people that serve Jesus, I don't like it. And what I'm saying to you, a life of faith doesn't carry you, guarantee you an effortless life. It doesn't guarantee you a cruise ship life. God's hand will be there, His blessing will be there, His protection will be there. You can move mountains, you can overthrow kingdoms, you can do that. But there will be times, even in doing that, you may be tortured, that you may be persecuted, that you may be mistreated, that you may wander about, that you may even be killed. He's calling you to go to a 1040 window country that's not open to this. You've got to live with that ramification. And you've got to live like with the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. You know what? 
I know God's able to do all that wonderful stuff, but even if He doesn't, I'm looking at the facts. I see the fire. I see the guards throwing us in here. I know they're dying. I know we're going to die if we're in here. I know my God's able to save me, but even if He doesn't, what I will not do is I will not worship other gods. I will not turn from God. I will not stop worshiping God. It doesn't matter how bad it gets for my circumstances. I'm not living for my circumstances. I'm living by faith in the Word of God. And if God needs me to die for His glory, then so be it. That's a life of faith. Sounds fun, huh? Number six. We're going to bring this in for a close with six and seven. People get confused about Abraham. They think the whole Abraham-Ishmael thing that he wavered in his faith. But look what the Word of God says. Faith can appear to waver, but actually grow stronger. Romans 4. Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though he knew he was too old, he acknowledged the facts to be the father at the age of 100. He knew that Sarah, his wife, had never been able to have children. Abraham never wavered in believing God. Please hear me today. In Genesis, it makes it very clear that he's having this conversation. Well, how in the world, God? How? Show me a sign. He said, Eliezer, I still haven't had a kid. You told me years ago you're going to bless me. You told me years ago I was going to have a kid. You told me years ago and it hadn't happened. Is it Eliezer? And God takes him out and they do the whole sacrifice, build the altar thing, and then he has Ishmael. And people say, oh, he's wavering. He's wavering in his faith. He's not wavering in his faith. The best you can say about that is it's a human attempt to do God's will. Galatians says that. It's not direct disobedience. It's not direct sin, but it is a human attempt. And sometimes this is the great glory and mercy of God. As Greg talked about last week, justice is something we do, but mercy is something we love. And when he did a human attempt to do God's will, God still blessed that attempt. But it's not where his descendants were counted. That was a human attempt, and then there was God's attempt. And God had never said Sarah was going to have a child. He just said, your seed, your seed, your seed, your seed. And it was culturally acceptable at that time to have children, even with your, your wife's con- your concubine, your wife's maid servant, whatever. I don't understand that whole thing, but for some reason that was going on back then. And yet it was Sarah when he, God spoke to him. See, faith is not a one-time event. Faith is something you continue to walk in God. Your seed, your seed, your seed. I'm going to do it. It's not Eliezer. Okay, I get a little more clarity all the time. And then finally God says this. He says, Sarah, I'm going to return this time next year and Sarah's going to have a child. And that's where the seed of Abraham was counted as the blessing of God. Watch what it says here. He never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. What's going on here? There's always faith or grace that's the basis of all of our life. You can't earn it. It's not a work thing. It's not an earning your wage thing. But out of faith should flow actions, flow good deeds. And every single time those actions or good deeds flow out, God gets the glory. Every time. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says this. It's by grace we're saved so no man can boast. We're saved for good works. And it goes on to say, which brings glory to God. Jesus in John 15 says this. My disciples are not my disciples because they earned their right into the kingdom of God. I gave them a free gift of faith and they received it. But my disciples will bear much fruit. The fruit doesn't save them. They're already my disciples. But my disciples, they bear much fruit. And that fruit brings glory to my Father. See the pattern? It's a one, two, three dance. Faith in God. Action deeds come out of that. And God gets glory. He doesn't want a step one faith. Okay, that's it. Don't ever talk to me about faith. Don't ever talk to me about faith that has itself in action or works or deeds or any of that kind of stuff. Then you can also never talk to you about bringing glory to God here on this earth. 
People come into the kingdom of God because of what they see you do. And let me show you how this is expressed out in the word of God. The last point. Faith is not alive unless it produces deeds. James 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, what is the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith. What he's saying here is here's real faith. Real faith. Living faith is faith that does something. It's faith that meets needs. It's not faith that says, oh, I see you have a need there. You're hungry. Go and be filled. Oh, I see you need some clothes here. Oh, go and get well clothed. You know, I, I, that's not what faith is, he's saying. There is a kind of faith that's that. It's just the kind of faith you save. But what kind of faith if that can't save anyone? So you see, it's not just enough to have that kind of faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. Fool, when will you ever learn that? Just as the body is dead without the spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. He's not diminishing faith. He's defining faith. I was talking to a guy yesterday that's one of the families that lets me stay with him. He says, you know, a lot of people have faith in faith. It's like people who chase miracles. This happens a lot of times. They, they begin to chase signs and wonders. Mark 16 says signs and wonders should follow believers. Believers should follow God. Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So if we're following God, we, we don't get led astray. But if we, we, if we have faith in faith or faith in miracles or faith in, in anything other than God, other than the Savior of God, we've missed it. And watch how he brings all this in culmination in Galatians 6. Faith is all these wonderful things we've talked about, but faith is not as great as love. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, it makes no difference to God whether we are circumcised or not circumcised. In other words, you can have all your religious arguments, you can have all your theological arguments. You think God's offended by this? These people have been arguing about this stuff for 2,000 years. They can continue to argue about it if you cherish for another 2,000 years. But there is something that he thinks is important, and this is what it is. What is important is faith, not dead faith, not just saying faith, not just smiling faith, but faith expressing itself in love, Galatians 5, 6. There are three things that will endure, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. In other words, what's he saying here? You can say you have faith, you can mouth you have faith all the time, but the main thing that's important to me is that your faith is expressing itself in loving someone. Your faith is meeting someone's needs. When you see that they're hungry, give them some food. Don't just say, go and be fed. When you see that they have a need for clothing, feed, feed and clothe them. When you see whatever their need is, meet that need by love. Express your faith in love. Don't just sit around uh, and be an entertain-me-only Christian and say, hey, that's great, somebody go do that. Instead, what he's wanting is us to get engaged in humanity. He's wanting us to get engaged with loving him and loving other people. And the way that that happens is when we have faith in him and we express that faith in him through love for other people. The last screen is going to give you an opportunity for an action point because I, I believe we shouldn't be just hearers of the word. We shouldn't just come in here and say, you know what, that was some great information. Now let's go home and watch the game or, you know, uh, eat and gain a couple more pounds or something. We need to do something based on this. What are your options here? Maybe it's hearing God's word. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I don't know if I'm living a life of faith. And it's not that I'm opposed to it. I'm really open to the idea, but I didn't know that it came from the word of God. I need to begin to delve in the word of God, live in the word of God, memorize the word of God, meditate on the word of God, live by the word of God. I need to get the word of God going in me at all times. I need to begin to look for answers of any issue in my life out of the word of God. Because once I get the word of God, that's where faith comes from. It comes from hearing God's word. Maybe your issue is that it's okay to have reason. You don't need to beat yourself up if you're trying to take a walk in faith, but you need to at least reckon that God could raise this thing from the dead. It's okay. It is okay. You don't have to commit intellectual suicide to live a life of faith. Maybe for you, you need to look at the facts and live faith in spite of the facts. Maybe it's the need for spiritual warfare and you need to pray in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's living faith and not just saying it. Or maybe it's expressing faith through love. 
I'd like you to bow your heads and pray with me now because I want to give you a couple of opportunities. The first opportunity I want to give you is to, is to make a decision for one of those. Don't, don't decide three of them or five of them or whatever. Just take one thing at a time and say, you know what? My faith doesn't express itself in love. My faith has been kind of a faith that just is, is, is something that I say a lot. And I want to give uh, one last opportunity here. People made this decision this morning and, and several people made this decision last night. I want to give you an opportunity if you've never decided to live a life of faith, you, you now know a little better uh, what faith is. It's hearing God. It's living by Him. It's utter dependence on Him. It's not trusting in yourself. And as we all uh, have our eyes closed and are praying, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, I, I want to raise my hand as a sign to Almighty God that I'm ready to start this life of faith. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to uh, call you up here. I don't want to make this awkward for you in any way. But I want you to be fully informed and count the cost that you're not just mouthing a prayer and that's the end of it. You're not just saying, oh, Millie Mouth, this is it. I want you to say, you know what, I want to live a life of faith. I want to enter into a day-by-day living by faith. And whether you've never done that before or whether you say, you know what, too many times I just fall into this, to this issue of, of saying only Christianity. As we, as we pray now, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Father, I thank you that your spirit, and I ask other believers even to pray this for people who are making that decision. God, there's a, there's a moment in time. Our faith is not just a one-time issue, but there is a one-time event that begins the process. There is a first step. There is an initial step where we say, I will have faith in you because it's receiving your free gift of faith. I don't have to earn anything today. I don't have to be doing all this stuff right, but as I receive your free gift of faith, Today, God, I want to start that walk. And as people, God, raise their hands as they uh, make that decision. Father, I ask and we pray together, God, that you would just guard over them. That you would protect them. And that you would give them your grace and your faith, God, to live by the word of God. And I see hands in the back. I ask you just to keep your hands up for a few more minutes because we're going to pray because this is critical. I lived a life without faith. I lived a life dependent on secular humanism, which, which is always defined as you're your God. And I've lived for 15 years now of God. And I see another hand. Thank you. Praise God for these people coming into God's kingdom. They're receiving free gifts today. Thank you for that hand. They're receiving free gifts today. They're saying, you know what? This is a free gift. I, don't, I walked in here. It didn't have a dollar in my pocket. And now I've got eternal life. And yet, God, I pray that you would empower them not to just raise their hand one day, but to continue to live. Continue to live by faith. I see another hand in the back. I see hands over on the side. God, I thank you for these people. God, we just praise you for these people who have the courage to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be dependent on Him. I want to live this life of faith. And God, we rejoice. And we're challenged by those. God, even like the Apostle Paul said, I want to encourage your faith, but I'm also encouraged by your faith. God, I thank you for the joy I feel as I watch these hands go up across the room. Last night and this morning and even now, God, in different sections and different places, God, I just watch these hands go up. And I see the joy. I see the incredible, wonderful thing that's happened to these people's lives. God, I thank you for the man that came to me that I saw two years ago and got to minister to. And he's free of drugs now. And he's, God's brought him his wife. And God's bringing him a baby. And God's doing incredible things because he took a step one day. And I pray that that would be true in two years and in ten years and in twenty years with everyone raising their hands, God. That they wouldn't start this course and fall away and wander from the faith. God, they would start this course and run after you and live by faith. God, let your Holy Spirit start it. And let them understand always, it's never, it doesn't turn into works. It doesn't start by faith and, oh foolish Galatians, after beginning in the Spirit, you're now trying to attain this through human effort. It's from start to finish. We, we, we end now where we began. From the beginning to the end. This whole thing's done by faith. And so, God, I just thank you, not even for just the people who raised their hands. 
but for everyone in this room, that they would not just let you start their faith. They would let you continue to finish it. I thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. For, for those of you who raised your hands, there's an information uh, booth back here in the back in the center. Please, please don't just uh, make the decision and stay alone and walk out of here today. Go talk to somebody. There's people there to pray with you. There's people there to help you in your next step. Uh, would you stand with me so we could uh, be dismissed? Father, we just again pray over this body. I ask that you would bless everyone in in the Woodland Hills uh, church family. God, that you would continue to cause them to live lives of faith. God, when you're asking them to serve in this body, when you ask them to do something incredible with their job or in their family, to, to move or to leave their comfort zone, God, I pray that they would hear clearly from you. And once they hear from you, they would never look back. They would live lives of faith. And I ask that, God, they would be overwhelmed with your love and overwhelmed with the fact that you will continue to speak to them how to live in this life. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.